Welcome to The Perfect Blend, the podcast where we pair the books we read with a delicious cup of tea. I'm Shelley Haskell. And I'm Candy Beaker. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year and welcome to The Perfect Blend. I'm Candy. And I'm Shelly. And as always, we are so happy that you have taken some of your time to join us, to spend with us and share the books and teas that we love with you guys. Most definitely. Our book for the first of 2024 is Amazing Grace Adams by Fran Littlewood. You want to tell us about Fran? This is her debut book and she has a creative writing degree from the Royal Holloway University of London and she has worked as a journalist and even with the time She lives in London with her husband and her three daughters. Amazing Grace Adams was her first novel, and she stated that she was so sick of the lazy representation of women over 40 that she wanted to write something that showed the complexities, the drama, and the doubt of the midlife space for women. How cool! Yay! Woo! The story delves into the tumultuous life of Grace Adams. She is experiencing some challenges with perimenopause. Her world is just crumbling. She's clashing with her teenage daughter. Her marriage is broken. She has a dwindling to nothing career. And she is trapped in the sweltering traffic of North London's busiest day. And she gets very angry and she snaps. And this is the story unraveling as it goes. And before we get into it and our opinions and takes and thoughts what tea did you pair with this first i had one tea in mind and i actually was drinking one tea earlier when i was reading it a couple days ago i thought yeah this is it good chai but no i ended up having this delicious tea that you actually brought over the valerian nights by david's tea because (laughs) we needed something to calm down after you've read this everybody just take a deep breath and inhale some chamomile valerian maybe some saint John's Wort's tea. You might need some mood changing teas. Amen, sister. Along those same lines, I looked through my teas. I was like, what is calming? I have a lavender lemonade tea uh-huh. that I picked to read with this because you're right. We definitely needed something calming. We both want to thank you for giving us a listen. We would love it if you would leave comments or book suggestions and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you enjoy your time with us. Yes, that would be wonderful because we would like to hear what books you want to hear about and what teas we pair them with. You can get your pennies in a bunch here very easily. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's funny because we have sweltering heat here uh-huh. where we live. So we understand being in the sweltering heat and traffic and snapping. <laughs> it is not a hard thing to do when you're hot anyway. But when you've got perimenopause symptoms and all these other things going on, you have all this rage inside you. When we first started reading this, it immediately made me think of Michael Douglas and Falling Down. Yes, so did I. And um, I thought it was interesting when I read the end that uh-huh. that is the inspiration for this story. So At least I was part thinking of it, yeah. along the same lines of the author. So I thought I was pretty smart there. Yeah, for one, one for me to remember something I saw more than a decade ago, that was pretty impressive on my part. But I just seen it. I could just see her jumping out and leaving the car and felt like, oh, I know what this is from. This is just like that movie. And then I had to look up the movie and I said angry business guy getting out of car 
that's all I could remember. I, it took me forever to remember the title, and I kind of remembered Michael Douglas, but I wasn't real sure of the actor. It, it's been a while. <laughs> I remember watching it and not liking it very much because it was just so negative, and he was so angry. But now yeah. that I've been on the other side of menopause, of life's traumas, <laughs> I get it. Well, I will say that this story is not quite as dark as that movie. It just builds on that scene. She wanted to invoke those same emotions of a pretty normal person just coming to the, the last line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because the Hubs and I have talked about this. You know, Grace looks back and she was this wonderful linguist and she had Ben sees her as this superwoman and she could do everything and he's just in awe of her. And now looking back, she's kind of wondering where it all went and what happened and how did I end up here when I had all this potential there mm. and we were talking about a lighter subject of when we were 18 we were going to rule the world and do what we wanted to do and be what we wanted to be and we wouldn't have restraints on us anymore and <laughs> then you get married and you have children and you're in your 50s thinking where did it all go and mm. I never got to do those things when I was 18 and now my body's not ready for it Oh, God, that's such, that's the saddest truth of all. I mean, we can wax poetic here and go on and on about the trials of the youth that they assume that things are hard for them and what they don't have and how they're just all going to get to that perfect age where everything is just going their way. And it does happen. You do have that perfect time. Everybody has it at a little different age, wherever it is, usually mm -hmm. pre-30, pre-35, and everything seems to be perfect. You're like, I've got all this covered. I can, I handled the bills. I can handle the job. I can handle even the kids. The marriage. I got it. I can handle the day-to-day -day life and it's great. But you either worked hard to get there in a way and then it doesn't get easier after a certain point. After a certain point, things tend to become, I think, harder to hold on to or to stay motivated to keep climbing. I don't know how people who climb corporate ladders, I'm not that person, stick with it till they're like 60. I'm <laughs> that amazed that I made it 30 years in one thing. I am the most consistent at being inconsistent. So that is a feat for me. But I do look back. You do look back and think, oh, yeah, I was going to do this and I was going to do that. And this really pulled that out in me while I was reading it. I had so many emotions in this book. The Pretty much the first half of the book, I was kind of lolly, lolly. Okay, I get what's going on. I'm waiting to see some of the twist and trauma that's building up. You know something's going to happen. But then I cried in this book. I laughed in this book. I got angry in this book. I was frustrated. I was sympathetic. I was nostalgic. There was a lot of emotions in this book. Mm -hmm. You felt her despair at that disconnection with her daughter because we've all felt that to some degree at some time. And it's devastating that this child that you raised and you loved and you did everything for looks at you with such disdain and wants nothing to do with you. And just, oh, it's heartbreaking. It's, it really is. And you don't wish it on your own children because you wouldn't want your child, even though they're being such a little shit, you would never wish that kind of heartbreak on them. It's right. just a rough thing. And then it also makes me think of what a little shit I was. And I apologize to my mom all the time. <laughs> 
it's a vicious cycle, I guess. It's just part of growing up and living, I guess. And I agree with you. I had lots of emotions through this because there were just so many different things that it really blocked in my life that it just got something out of me. And I wanted to know what led her to this point, that something happened for her to have the fear to shut down, to not be the amazing Grace Adams that she was embarking on in the beginning. So at the beginning, for those of you who haven't read this book, we have Grace Adams, who is a polyglot linguist, knows five languages, goes to a competition where she receives the highest honors and a prize. And one of the other contestants there is a guy named Ben, and he gets second place. They're both single. And Grace takes the plunge and says, hey, let's just share this moment. They decide to go on the trip and the prize together and have a moment in time. And Grace comes back and finds out that she's going to be a bot on the TV show of Linguist. Crazy British show, right? And then finds out that she's pregnant. And that's not a bad thing because Ben also is kind of ready to be there. And the trials that they go through as a family, many families start off this way. Yes. Many families start off with an unexpected pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And when both people make the decision just to jump in with it, then there you go. You got a family. <laughs> and nothing from that moment is ever the same. And nothing of that moment is ever guaranteed to be perfectly easy or loving or beautiful. Whatever you see, that's only one part of it. Of course, <laughs> marriage is beautiful. Of course, families are beautiful. But they also have really hard times in them. And I think that we were allowed to experience those different trials, but in a very strange way. I mean, this time frame thing that they did where they busted up the times mm-hmm. and the story only takes place on one day right. and, but she is constantly being pulled in stream of conscious ways into events of the past that help us fill in some of the things that are going on and it's never obvious it's not obvious and there's it's kind of jumpy so be it prepared is for a bumpy ride but i think the jumpiness helps you not figure out that moment until she's ready to share it and ready to bring it to her consciousness mm-hmm. I really like the way she did that because the whole time I'm wanting to know what the catalyst was for this. And you kind of get glimpses, but there's no definite. Even when you're clued in, you still don't know until you know. And it helps. It's like, I get it because the whole time I'm thinking, gosh, she is struggling so badly and she is treading water in this pool and she cannot see beyond the edge. She's getting to where she doesn't want to try. And it just, it's hard heartbreaking that she's like this. At first you're thinking, come on, come on. You need to pull your big girl panties on, put some red lipstick. But then it goes deeper than that. It's some trauma that has not healed that is just bleeding through the cracks of her life. I think there was a couple of things as I was studying, thinking back on this and kind of doing a deeper dive, I guess, because I wanted to think about some questions. One thing that came up pretty organically in my mind was what is motherhood? I mean, are you still that girl at 20 that you were when you got pregnant or are you this girl's mother does this being somebody's mother change your identity so much that you're not a full person anymore and I think we felt that too like with the lessons in chemistry Mm -hmm. how just a very smart woman very together and the business side of it didn't want her to have a pregnancy her career suffered because of it everybody kind of shunned her after she became a mom of her working world friends I mean you lose all of that so it's just tough to think about motherhood and how you become alienated from the other adult world sometimes.
sometimes. I mean, you find friends within other mothers. And I think, I hope that today it's a little bit differently, but this is pretty modern and she doesn't feel that way. And I was an educator and my kids went with me, so I had a little bit different experience. We were all mothers for the most part. It's a different experience, but I wasn't in a business world. But I just think it's just tough because some jobs just don't do the nine to five or easy road for motherhood. It just doesn't. No. And she mentions in there about being so successful, being such a great polyglot, yet her husband is the one who's climbing the ladder of success and she's home with the being the mother and feeling like her brain is oatmeal pretty much. And, and so there's that resentment there too, that you don't get to carry on, but someone else does. But in that respect, he's also holding up his end the best he knows how. So it's yeah. a, it's like the fine edge. She knows that, but she still has that resentment because it's a sacrifice that you make and you have to adjust. It was just hard. This, some of those things were just very hard. Mm-hmm. I also think another part that was hard that I think is hard for all of us to kind of let go of things is our digital photos and media that we hold on to. And it made me think about, there was a Ricky Gervais show about him losing his wife as a, a series and how he would re-watch everything on that show to see her again. And every time I look back, at, I felt like every time I look back at my children's pictures when they're young and wishing they were still here as a, and now that they're grown up, you know, I feel like I've kind of lost my grown children because you lose your children, even though they grow up and they're still your children. That little child is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to be that little and child. They don't want to be that little child. And our digital media can really kind of replay moments in time for the better and sometimes for the worse. Mm-hmm. If you dwell and if you can't yeah. get beyond that, it's part of life. And it is hard when I put photo albums together and I'm looking at all the, putting all their little pictures in there. Mm-hmm. I just sob because I'm pitiful, but I keep thinking I've raised adults that live on their own and they are taking care of themselves and they like to come visit and we like to talk and hang out. So I did something right. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things you love them and you raise them and they're your world. And then all of a sudden you get kicked out of theirs. Right. <laughs> and it's such a hard thing to deal with. And on top of hard things, this deals with another subject that's very touchy uh, with her daughter. And it's talking about being a digital world and social media that children or teenagers are preyed upon. And they follow people who don't have their best interest and who can really mess their head up and just mess them up totally. And when the mother was misreading signals, Mm -hmm. her bullshit meter was gone, long gone. To me, it would have been, what are you up to? You're smarmy. Uh, Something's up. Not necessarily connecting anything, but just not having the same reaction she did to him, that Grace had to him. But she handled it. And I was like, well, hello, you got your head out of your ass and you did something that you should have done right away. And it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, but you did something that needed to be done. And yeah, it's, I think the irony in that, and she mentions it too, the irony is that she does know all of these different languages but Mm -hmm. she has the hardest time deciphering (laughs) just online chat text Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) what the kids are getting at she doesn't know and it's because she doesn't really have any she's not in their world she has separated herself from her daughter's world
world. And she may not have bought into some of those. She just didn't have any social media accounts. So didn't know how to understand what that part of life was going on for her daughter either. And I think that's funny in a way because I don't know if it plays true to her character or just because you're a mom or because she has just tuned out of so much by just having to do the day to day. I thought it was just a little bit odd that she didn't have some of those things too. I did um, too. She went into yeah. panic mode and just fell to pieces and she didn't use her background to navigate it, to find out, to open another tab and ask what this is and find things out. She had just removed herself from everything and everybody. And all she did was worry. That was her main job, main thing that she did was worry. And it mm -hmm. got her nowhere. It didn't help her it does at it, all. It, no, we all know that that's true, or we should all know that that's true anyway. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really get us anywhere. But I uh, think best thing I ever read, the Dalai Lama said, if it can't be fixed, then worry will not help. And if it can be fixed, worry is not necessary. And to me, that was just a, <laughs> because I was raised by a worrier and that's all we ever did was worry and say yeah okay what's the worst thing that can happen and okay so what do we do from there and I had to I had to unlearn that behavior that automatic response and so now it's just easier to okay worry's not going to help me I'm going to give myself five minutes to worry about this and then I can fix it or I just pray and have faith that things are going to work out and do the best that I can with what I know that's it's a hard thing it's true in in so many respects for sure I I can't say that I don't worry. I just feel like I'm on a roller coaster. I'm just holding on until the end of the ride. I know, just not stress, but I can't help but being stressed, know. you know? <laughs> well, this has been a year of a bunch of wallops for both of us, hasn't it? <laughs> I can feel it coming and panic is coming and I just don't want to get on that ride anymore. So I have to really talk myself down from it and I've gotten a lot better at it, but still, you're going to worry. You're going to be upset about things because things happen that you have no control of over and it, you can't fix it. And I think that's the worst part of it is you can't fix it. You're just a standby watching it. And yeah, I know Grace feels like that. I totally get that. She just handles things a lot differently than I would, I think. I don't want to say that she was kind of, I would say she's too smart for her own good in a way. Like she knew a lot of the right answers, but she couldn't pull on that. Like the same thing, like we talked about how she couldn't pull and find out more about what was going on in social media and how teens talk to each other on there. She even said herself at one point when she was trying to find the words to connect with, with her daughter, I know all these languages, but I cannot find the right words to speak about what's going on in my heart. I'm afraid to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that I don't know if that means she was too smart for her own good, but it surely does mean that even the smartest of us struggle when it comes to family relationships and especially mother-daughter relationships or mother-son relationships being a mother. Yeah. You don't know the right thing to say. And and she brings out that every mother probably feels like she, they fail. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's true. I don't believe that's true 100% of the time, but I believe that we all know that we have failed in some ways. And that is just life, you know? I mean, nobody's going to get it perfect. And no matter how you try hard, you could you could be 100% at your job and, and fail at being there for your family, or you could be there for your family and be broke because you can't be there at a job, or you could mm -hmm. be somewhere in between and you're going is this the right way? Is this the right way? So those decisions, very rarely do the decisions come where you say, this is it. This is all right. And we're all good now. Yeah. It's only good for a little while. And then something else comes along. <laughs> right. And you can say 
say things in the heat of the moment where you really will go back and wish that you had stopped to think about a more diplomatic way to say something and not get into the the trigger because you know you want to lay hands on that child when they start smart mouthing you and talking to you like that and there is no one solution. You do one thing and you think that's going to work and that blows up in your face and things blow up in your face and you just try to get through it and hope that you've got another day to try. <laughs> and, and if you're lucky, y'all can have conversations about it when you get out of it and you're in a better place. <laughs> and I'm real thankful for that because raising teenagers is the most thankless, hardest job and heart-wrenching because Boy, do they love to stick it to you. <laughs> yeah. You think, yes, all you young mothers, you think you think that babyhood stuff is tough. You just wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. You better get it in check. You see these kids today that are mouthing off and throwing fits and getting their way. I'm like, they're going to kill you. With you. They're going to smother you in your sleep when they're teenagers. <laughs> they're, that's just the way we're going. Y'all are scaring me. Get yourself together. Oh, gosh. A little discipline is not going to hurt. Uh, that's there's nothing in my tea <laughs> besides lavender and lemonade you might need a little valerian in there <laughs> telling you some saint john's work ashwagandha yeah that too that always calms you down this book we related to so many different parts of it because we've been through so many different things but i wonder as a young person if you were in your 20s maybe 30s and you were reading this and if, whether you were not a mother or maybe a new mother how you would look at this story do you think that every Everything is filtered through the lens of she's just crazy menopausal and everything's just in her world just is insane. If you are a young person whose mother is also at that age in life, you might think, oh my gosh, she's just a crazy menopausal mother. I have one of those, you know? But I think we see a lot of other sides of it from our perspective. I don't know what I'd have to ask somebody who's read it, who's younger. Yeah, it would be interesting. It'd be interesting if they saw their mother differently after reading it yeah. to hear the inner turmoil mm -hmm. of it. Because it's like teenagers. It's one of those things that it is a trial by fire to go through mm -hmm. and you don't know what to expect day by day. Know, <laughs> and so you much, hope you live through it. <laughs> so much love and heartache at the same time. It's tough. I want to talk a little bit about her coming undone. I don't know about that poor cake. I guess the cake is very <laughs> symbolic of, well, you always give your child a birthday cake. Uh, she got this specially made cake. Love Island. Love Island, which is the TV show. <laughs> Teenagers would probably love it. I get it. But it turned out to be very small. And she went through all these different trials by her own choices. She ended up in some very unusual places on her way to take this cake to her daughter for her 16th birthday. And my God, it was a tragic box. <laughs> when she went to the bakery to pick it up, and the lady said, you didn't have enough to pay for the big cake. And then she said it was $200. I thought, yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be 50 pounds or something like that for this a little teeny two-tier cake and that she could carry in a box all this way to her separated husband's house. And she said 200 pounds. I, about, I thought, good God. Like for a dollar fifty, I could get a Duncan Hines cake mix, two of them, and on a on a buy one get one free at Food Lion, and I could bake a damn well, cake for you. What the that's heck? That's not what she pounds. wanted. She wanted a yes. grand display. She wanted some grand gesture that was going to save her relationship with her daughter. 
and be the big cheer of, oh, that's so cool. And your mom's cool. She, that, I love that cake or whatever. It did not work out like that, y'all. I mean, you, (laughs) it is a sad thing. She's climbing over fences with spike poles and she's going to a golf course and she finds a water gun and she's squirting herself with water. She's really lost it. You know, I thought. (laughs) That it was, she was going to have a mental breakdown before she got there because she was <laughs> she just did. so. I mean, she's dehydrated. Yeah, she's bleeding God. profusely because of her blisters and all the injuries that she's acquiring. I love that she flips people off. That's her end note as she's walking away from them. She I just I really flips think them off. this could be a really good movie. Yes, I think it's set up to be that way. You could read all of those parts, especially the journey of the day. You could read it very sad and tragically, or you could read it very comedically and I mm-hmm. took it very comedically. I could see the craziness. I could see the right actor, actress in there making me laugh. I, I know a couple of British actresses that I watch for their comedies. I couldn't tell you their names right now, but I could see that happening. It is a strange journey but her one particular day stretched out from noon till eight so like eight hours eight hours it takes her to get there (laughs) the way it ended i was so happy about that because i really didn't know how things were gonna go i will say that i needed that little extra ending yes to to set the world right to get let me know what was going on a little bit more because it was an ending and then it was a another ending right that it's coming you need it otherwise it would have been just tragic. It really was at places tragic. And I, I was like, I got to take a little break because I'm getting really sad here. Hopefully it's going to lighten up in a little bit. There was definitely times where I was just like, oh, this is too heavy. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my God, I'm just crying. I don't want to think about that. Not what I expected when I got this. I thought it was going to be a, yeah, she has <laughs> menopause, but she's going to get through it like Miranda. And mm-hmm. it's going to be funny. And it's going to be, oh my God, I can't believe she did that but it's funny and it was not what I expected but it was really really a good book it's a really good book it's a different format the time jumps we see that in other stories but there are times when she's just going from one thought of a certain time in her mind Mm -hmm. inside of another and it might say the year so there was a few times where I was like wait a minute what's going on here Mm -hmm. and I had to back up but it's worth the ride it was and I really think that that keeps you from really getting where the catalyst is. I mean, to everything... me, it keeps you off kilter so that you can't say, oh, this happened. That's why she's like, she is. Okay, let's get on with it. It wasn't like that. The whole time you're building and you know that something happened and there's got to be something else but you're not clued into it. And when you are, it's just, I just want to find Grace Adams and hug her until oh, yeah. she makes me her friend. All of that misdirection made me feel a lot like I was reading a good mystery. I was going, oh, what? Now, wait a minute. Who's, what's going on over there? Exactly. Why did she stop talking? What's happening? <laughs> what, what was the part we're not allowed to see yet? Yeah, it was cool like that. Definitely worth your time in reading it. Was it what I expected for a beginning of the year book? No, not- it this Not- new beginnings, though, we were talking about trying to get something about new beginnings and redoing your life. And so, yeah, it was a new beginning. Yes. Anyway, we could talk about this all day. Yes, we could. <laughs>
but we figure you have better things to do. So we will be back next week, same tea time, same tea channel. And until then, you can find us at the usual places where you catch your podcasts. Or you can find us on Instagram at theperfectblend underscore SC. Or our Facebook page at The Perfect Blend and our website, the-perfect-blend.com. And until next time, read, read and, and sip, sip on. on.